Pastor Ed Taylor on what God is wanting to accomplish in our lives through trials. God's goal is spiritual maturity, and God is not satisfied. And He doesn't work half-heartedly. He doesn't let things go unfinished. As a matter of fact, it's all part of the process. What God has begun in us, He's going to be faithful to complete. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And so God is developing your life today right now, in the trial, through the trial. He's building character in you day by day. All the trials, all the temptations, all the pains, problems, sorrow, sadness, all of it is being used to conform you and me into the image of Jesus Christ. This is amazing grace. This is When we're hurting and suffering, it would be easy for us to grow angry, discouraged, bitter. And when James comes along and tells us to count it all joy, maybe at first glance, that rubs you the wrong way. What's he driving at? Well, today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor lifts our eyes above the circumstances of life to eternity and God's greater purposes. It'll serve to help you arrive at the right perspective as you go through the inevitable trials of life. We're in James 1 today. He says, count it all joy. Evaluate. It's the same word that Paul uses when he writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, but the things that were gained to me, these I have counted loss. It's the same word. He says, I've got all of these things. I've got this education, this background. I've got this status and prestige. But when I met Jesus Christ, all of my past I count. After evaluating my life in light of Jesus, all of my past is nothing compared to him. James uses the same word. In the midst of the trial, we must have the right perspective. Paul, he took stock of his life, and he set new goals and new aims toward all that was heavenly and special. I, I learned this in a very real way in the corporate world when I took my first promotion, and I was moving from office to office. We, we would stay up till one, two, three o'clock in the morning working on reports. The boss was coming to town and we would work and get this in order and type this and get this report, turn it in, have it sent back, edited. I mean, my office was filled with 3 a.m. reports that eventually I would turn into my boss. He would look at it and say, thank you. That's really what he did. Thanks. Thanks for all the work. We're well, not going to read it. It's like 30 pages. No, I believe you. Thanks. Well, what, can't you just take my word next time? And I had these stacked in my office. And when I was leaving the office to my next assignment, I asked my boss, what do you want me to do with all these reports? He said, shred them. Shred them? Do you know how many sleepless nights these reports have? Do you know how much time I spent? He says, yeah, they're no good to us now. No good to us now. How much in life will we come to that conclusion? where the Lord will say to you, it's not much to us now. New goals, new aims that are eternal. God even redeemed that though. He redeemed that in my life in a very real way because he taught me. He taught me that I could stay up till three or four o'clock in the morning working 
He taught me that I could get get along with very little sleep if I needed to. And those were all valuable lessons in serving the Lord. That if I could stay up for three or four in the morning for a report that's going to be shredded, how much more valuable would my time be to do something eternal with that same time? So nothing is wasted by God. But I've learned that these things of this world, they're so passing and transient, just like Paul did, and just like James is teaching us. You're going to fall into various trials. You notice that he says various trials, just like Peter did. Because trials come in different shapes and sizes. So, so you'll experience things that are very hard for you and overwhelming to you, and another brother will experience something else and be very hard and difficult to him. Now, here's the thing. We have to be very careful not to compare our trials, not to prejudge someone. Like, like you might be going through something, and it's heavy, and it's hard, and you're burdened, and it's just so difficult for you. And then a friend of yours goes through something, and they're feeling the same thing you are, but then you say, man, what are you, what are you bellyaching about this for? This, this is so small. It's so, it's compared to mine, it's so small. Why? Don't do that. Because what's heavy for them may not be heavy for you. And what's heavy for you may not be heavy for them. You see, we're not, to compare, we're not to compare trials, but I would say this. We are to compare sorrows. Because no matter what the trial is, we all meet at the place of sorrow. We all meet at the place of pain. No matter the motive, no matter how it comes into our lives, we're not to look down on a brother because they're going through something we think is small or look up to a brother because they've just went through the most monumental thing. No, there are various trials and they come to us all. And something that your friend goes through may not be no big deal to you. But then something you go through may be no big deal to your, to your friend. But the reality is when you guys both go through what God has allowed in your life, you both meet at the cross. It's pain. When it comes to trials, we're to evaluate them in light of eternity. We're to evaluate them of God working toward the end result so that we might bear more fruit for the kingdom. Just like with any tree, you have fruit trees in your backyard. Those of you that are into this stuff, you know that every year you need to go out to that tree and evaluate which branches have to go. If you want more fruit, then you're going to have to take your pruning shears and pick just the right branches. And because you've done this for a while, you know which ones need to be pruned. And if the tree could talk, you know the tree's going, leave me alone already. Put your pruning shears away. We don't need to do that. I'll give you as much fruit as you want. Just don't cut the branch. But you know you have to. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 2. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? that it may bear more fruit. The more fruitful we are, the more we face the pruning of God. Notice verse 3, he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So when it comes to trials, please don't pretend about them. Be real and be yourself. It may not feel good, and it's okay to express that. I don't like this trial. It's very hard. It's very painful. Be honest. Don't complicate matters by being dishonest. God doesn't want you to be dishonest. Be real about what you're going through. And yet at the same time, even though it doesn't feel good, God is producing something. He's at work fashioning, molding, and shaping us. And God is working for us, the Bible says, not against us. And one of the things, notice, that's being produced 
is this word in verse 3, patience. Circle that word and write next to it, endurance. Endurance. It's a Greek word. It's the Greek word hupomone. And it literally means to bear up under a heavy load. To stay standing. It comes from two words, hyper and stand. And so it could be translated, God is producing in you the ability to hyper stand. To stand in the midst of the storm. Not to cave or bend or break. That God has given you the strength to endure what you're going through. It's the difference between training for a 100-yard dash and training for a marathon. It's going to take a lot more pain and a lot more difficulty, a lot more work in your life to get ready for a marathon. You're going to need endurance. And so what do people do? They train like crazy for marathons. There is a training that comes with the 100-yard dash, but you run it and it's over. Boom, just like that. If you're super fast, you know, the fastest guy in the world, well, it's under 10 seconds, seven or eight seconds. And for a marathon, it's going to be a lot longer than that. And you need endurance for the length of the race. And so what does God do? He says, you got to know this. Hold on to this truth. Know it by experience that the testing of your faith is producing endurance in your life. I know the pain can be heavy and even hard to bear. Quitting might even seem like an option. Words out of your mouth lately have been, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to serve the Lord anymore. I don't like this anymore. I want to... those, those are words requiring God to work in your life to give you the hupomone that you need. Endurance. It's not God's will that you quit or I quit. It's not God's will that we turn around and leave him. He describes this in Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew 13, verse 20, he describes it as the gospel was going out. He said, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. We don't want that in our lives. When difficulties come, we don't want to immediately stumble and have what God's deposited in our life ripped off from us. And our life in Jesus Christ is going to involve sacrifice. It's going to involve affliction. It's a life of submission. It's a life of obedience. And ultimately, it's a life of dying to self all the way to the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, when you think of hupomone, I'm sure there are people in your life. I'm sure there are people in your life where you know what they've gone through. You've seen what they've gone through. They're still standing. They're still serving. They're still giving their all to the Lord. And you look up to them, don't you? You're like, man, if that guy can make it, I can make it. And they encourage us. Now, even if you're here today and you say, no, Ed, I don't have anyone like this, you actually do. Because the author to the Hebrews t speaks of our Jesus. He, he, says, he says to encourage us in our faith, he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who endured the cross, despising the shame. We have a captain we have a courageous hero. His name is Jesus Christ who has overcome sin and death. And we know that while there are times he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, we know at the martyrdom of Stephen, he was standing at the right hand of the Father to welcome Stephen in. We have a captain. We have someone to follow. And many of us have human examples as well that encourage us. It's like, yes, your faith encourages me your stamina, your endurance. It, it, sometimes it's like this. I don't know how you can do this. 
And what's the answer? The answer usually is, I don't know how I'm doing it either. It's my faith in Jesus. He's my strength. He's my rock. He's my help. Without him, I don't know what I'd be doing or where I'd be going. But I'm with him and he's with me and I love him and it's hard and it's difficult. I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm going to go all the way to the end. I want to finish my race with joy. I want to make it to the end. God, listen, listen. God never promised smooth sailing. He never promised smooth sailing. Spiritually, he wants us to mature and grow. Notice in verse 4, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete. That word perfect is mature. So he's building endurance and maturity in us. This is what he does. Well, what's a strong, how does a, how does a weak believer become a strong believer? Weathering the storms of life. Endurance and maturity. This is, this is on us, verse 4. This is on us. He says, let, let. These character traits that we're speaking of don't come through the latest best-selling book from a series of sermons, MP3 CDs. They come through heartache and turmoil, testing, trials. There's not a seminary course you can take on maturity that will do the work that God will do through the trials in your life. God uses them, and he says, James tells us, but you've got to let patience have its perfect work. You've got to let God work in your life. God has chosen to use our obedience and submission to mature us. God has a role, and so do we. And I believe that as believers, followers of Christ, we can all grow as much as we want, as fast as we want. Like if you really want to grow in the things of God, it just hinges on your willingness to allow God to work in your life and to obey him when he prompts you. As you follow through and obey, as I follow through and obey verse 4 and I let God work, then he's going to work. I mean, the Bible even commands us to grow. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, we are commanded to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a command. So the command to grow, remember, whenever God gives a command to any believer, he also gives the power to do it. So he says, I want you to grow up. And you're like, well, I want to grow up. And that comes through God enabling us and our cooperating. Let patience have its perfect work. Another way of looking at this is, you know, the, the, the trial can be so hard and so difficult that we try to jump in and help God out a little bit because we want to get out. Isn't your first response? I'll tell you what my first response is in any trial, even big ones, little ones, is my first response is, God, get me out of this as fast. Am I the only one in here? Get me out of here or let it go by fast. I'll endure the trial for a day, maybe. But... The reality is, with that impatience, we jump in, try to get out of it, try to soften the blow, try to work this over here, manipulate over that. A great example of that is Abraham and Sarai trying to help God out. They were given a promise of God. Even as we're reading of promises of God when it comes to trials right now, they were given a promise of God. You're going to have a baby, a chosen gift from me, God says. I'm going to give you a son. And what did they do? They looked at each other. (laughs) <laughs> we don't know the conversation, but maybe Sarah, I go, dude, this is not going to happen. I am an old woman. My husband is a really old man. It's not going to happen. We're beyond childbearing. And yet, for a while, they waited. 
until finally the physical overcame the spiritual and Sarai made the suggestion. And it was a cultural one. It was like everybody was doing it. Everybody was doing it. Here, take my handmaid, Abram, and she will be the one that gives us the promise of God. She'll be the one. And that's what they did. And they produced a little boy by the name of Ishmael. Don't forget that name, Ishmael. Ishmael was not the promised son of God. It was the work of the flesh in Abram and Sarai's life. And Ishmael became a thorn in the flesh in Abraham's life and all of his descendants, even to this very moment. The descendants of Ishmael are causing the descendants of Israel much difficulty. A few years later, God did fulfill his promise. If they would have just waited. If they would have just waited. There are times in our lives when we settle for the Ishmael's. We've decided not to let God complete us. We've decided not to allow his work in our lives. And we jump in to try to help him and create something in the flesh, in our own strength, and mess things up badly. We turn to man as our own solution. We think man's going to help us. We think somebody in a position of authority can help us. We think we have all sorts of options that are clouding our vision of letting patience have its perfect work. Let God do Be careful of impatience. Be careful of trying to take a shortcut to the things of God. God's goal in our lives is spiritual maturity. And here's the truth. God doesn't need your help. And just like in every other service, not a one amen in the room when I say that. Because there are just times in our lives where we think God needs our help. God doesn't need my help. He doesn't want my help to allow the work that he's doing in my life. He wants my obedience and my submission. He wants my cooperation. God wants me to trust him, to take the next step with him. I know that some of you are experiencing what has been called the dark night of the soul. And it's not referring to just a 24-hour period, just one night. It often refers to what the psalmist called walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You just feel like it's never going to end. And you're tired and you're weary. Perhaps it's something physical, so you wake up with it in the morning, you go to bed with it at night. Perhaps it's something emotional, so you feel it in the morning and you feel it at night. Maybe it's something spiritual where you're under attack and you're under oppression and your mind is all. Maybe it's a combination of all of the above. And you sense that man, it just doesn't feel like it. I'm ever going to get out of it. And while I don't know when it's going to end this side of eternity, I do know it's going to end eventually. That there is this world and there is the one to come. That there is this time on earth, which is just like a shadow and a vapor, and then there's all eternity. And even though I don't know when it's going to end, I do know this. There isn't a moment that you're living right now that God isn't using that trial to build up build you up, strengthen you to bear up under, and to give you the kind of maturity that you could get no other way. I know we wish we could read a book or something, but we can't. It's not going to work that way. The only way, the only way we're going to find the kind of strength that we're looking for is by turning to, turning to the Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to him all over again, moment by moment, day by day. God's goal is spiritual maturity, and God is not satisfied 
And he doesn't work half-heartedly. He doesn't let things go unfinished. As a matter of fact, it's all part of the process. What God has begun in us, he's going to be faithful to complete. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And so God is developing your life today, right now, in the trial, through the trial. He's building character in you day by day. All the trials, all the temptations, all the pains, problems, sorrow, sadness, all of it is being used to conform you and me into the image of Jesus Christ. And I acknowledge to you today, I know it's hard. I may not know the difficulty exactly how you're feeling it. So I wouldn't be able to say I know what you're feeling. But I can say this. I know of, I know of what you're feeling. And the difficulties that come. But greater than that, I know of a faithful God. That even when we're faithless, He remains faithful. That even when we're ready to quit, God will never quit on us. Even when we turn our back, and we walk away for however long it might be. That might be you today. That might be exactly what God's doing in your life. You have walked away, but the difficulties brought you back. Well, listen, God has promised never to leave you or forsake you. Every moment, every breath of your life, cooperate with him. Submit to him. Let patience have its perfect work so that you might be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Thanks for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in a series called Help for the Troubled Heart. And I'd imagine this is just what many of you are needing to hear right now as you're in the midst of a difficult season of life. If you'd like to request this entire series or today's study alone, please call 877-30-GRACE. We ask for $2 per CD. That's 877-304-7223. You can also access the studies online at helpforthetroubledheart.com. You'll also find many other resources designed to encourage and build you up in the Lord at helpforthetroubledheart.com. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through the Calvary Aurora app. Search for Calvary Aurora. And you might also want to download the Grace FM Colorado app for more biblical encouragement. Ed, I think one of the big questions that races through many minds when we're suffering is, why? Why is this happening? And today, you showed us that while trials are inevitable, they are purposeful. Maybe someone that's listening right now is really struggling with that why question. Would you speak to them for a moment? If you're listening in right now and the big question on your mind is why, first of all, I just want to say I'm very, very sorry that you're going through the deep pain that you're going through right now, the, the, the weight and the burdens and the difficulties. And a why question is so normal. Uh, it is, it is the, the natural question to ask. But I'm sure as you found out, it's also one of the most frustrating questions to ask because we won't get it answered the way that we want. You know, even if God was to explain to us every single detail surrounding the tragedy that you faced or that I faced, the answer would not be sufficient. It wouldn't satisfy us. We don't live by explanations. We live by faith. And so rather than asking the question, why? And it's okay if you do. God doesn't judge you if you do. But I want to suggest to you, ask the question, who? Who is your Savior? Who is your God? Who is your help? Who has given you eternal promises? Who are you clinging to? Who is on your side? Who's promised to never leave you or forsake you? Who has given his life for you on the cross? 
who has risen again, and Jesus Christ will be able to answer each and every one of those questions. And one day, one day, the why question will be answered, will be by faith in the presence of God, and he'll, be, he'll explain everything to us. But until then, we live by faith, trusting him. And so, Father, I just pray for those that are asking the question why right now. Would you encourage them and strengthen them? Would you give them strength for today and hope for tomorrow while we await your soon return and bring healing and comfort to those listening in, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Larry. It's a great question. If your heart is troubled today and you'd like someone to pray for you, we'd invite you to send in your requests for prayer at calvaryaurora.org. Thanks for your generous gifts to support Abounding Grace. Your donation will serve to help us bring these daily studies to your station and many others like it every day. Call us at 877-30-GRACE or donate online at calvaryaurora.org. Glad you've taken time out for our study. We'll bring you more help for the troubled heart from Pastor Ed Taylor next time on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor is presented by Calvary Chapel, Aurora.